On this episode of the MassCom Podcast, we talked to Dr. Michael Lee Garden about diversity in the classroom and dealing with difficult situations in the classroom. Enjoy. I, uh, I attempt to humanize myself too, even in, in online spaces. Um, I, I teach a lot online, even pre-COVID, um, which is another layer of this um this humanizing aspect because you know unless you you post a video right there on the main screen in some ways you're kind of like not a person you're just someone who types in you know in the in the canvas show all right so we are on episode 11 today we are uh we're doing something a little different today tim i, I got something different for us um so all right uh, end of October, we uh, there was a story that came out of France uh, that was before uh, the uh, the hot mess that was our election that we're still uh, we're still trying to figure out. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, but but we could. But we could. But uh, so this story that came out of France, um, it really hit close to home because it it's uh, it it involves teaching. And it's about a teacher. Uh, so the, the gist of the story is uh, a teacher uh, in France uh, is teaching a class. And um, he seemingly the class is on freedom of expression. And uh, he shows some images of the Prophet Muhammad that many individuals in the Muslim community would find offensive, um, specifically his students. And um, there have been some reports I've read of the students having approached him prior to um, what ended up happening um, and talking to him about, you know, showing those images. Um, and actually, I found an article from the New York Times uh, published on uh, October 26th, and I'm going to read a little portion of that. Um, the article states, uh, in a class of uh, in a class on freedom of expression, including the right to say blasphemous things about all religions, uh, Mr. Uh, Petit, I, I, I may be mispronouncing that, uh, used caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad, Jesus, and rabbis to teach uh, former students said after his transfer a few years ago to a different school in a Paris suburb with a more diverse population, he appeared to adjust his approach when showing caricatures. He began telling students who might be offended that they could leave the classroom or look away at the new school. Students said he showed mostly caricatures of the prophet Muhammad that had been published by Charlie Hebdo, uh, which as we know um, was uh, the site of a, of a terrorist attack. There was violence um, due to things that were posted by Charlie Hebdo. Um, and so one of the two, what, 2015, right? I think that was, yeah, 2015. And so one of the two uh, images that the, the teacher showed um, was titled The Star is Born. It depicted Muhammad fully nude. And this upset many Muslim students and their parents, according to the local chapter of PEEP, a national parents association. Uh, so the teacher said he was surprised by the backlash and apologized to the students, um, which a student named Talia uh um, who was president of the lecture said uh, he told us that he's a teacher that this class is part of his program uh, that France is a secular country and so is our school said Talia who asked that she be identified by her first name only given the sensitivity of the situation uh, so to bring the this this story to sort of a conclusion is what ended up happening was uh, this 
this teacher was um, found at, in, at, in his home and was beheaded. Um, and so a, a very grave, obviously, act of violence was enacted um, due to the actions of a teacher. Um, and this um, this wasn't, you know, uh, in retaliation for violence, uh, direct violence that that occurred from the teacher. Um, this was uh, in reaction to th the teacher's teaching, for for lack of a better way of putting that. Um, and so, what's interesting wow. to me from a from a teaching standpoint, right, is is um, you know we 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 very much i think you know live in a in a world where uh we don't um we don't walk into a classroom assuming that anything we may say or do um, would get us murdered um, or would offend anyone on such a great level that um that that it would lead to that and so um, this made me really think about some some times that I have had some issues in some classes, um, specifically one semester I had a couple students that um, you could clearly tell were kind of at each other's throats. They had they had kind of differing issues on some things. Um, they happened to uh, belong to different ethnicities uh, and seemingly that had some play in their disputes. Um, and what ended up happening in that situation were, was these two students ended up yelling at each other one day and they totally took, took over a class meeting and just had it out with each other, uh, verbally. And to the point where I had to intervene and, and take control of the classroom again and, and, you know, encourage them if they wanted to continue that conversation, they were more than welcome to outside. Um, but, um, you know, but also trying to take from that and, and learn from that. Uh, right. I, you know, I, you know, it's one thing to just take over, you know, take over the, the class again. But um, I think it's another thing entirely to ignore the 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 conversation that's being had that's ha that's that's being had in the discourse. So uh, so that was one situation that I dealt with. Um, what year was that? Uh, that was probably, let's see, we're in, that was probably 2018. Oh, okay. So that was probably like, rather recent. Yeah. That was probably like three semesters ago, give or take. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty recently. Um, so yeah. So, uh, so has there been any situation where you've, uh, you've had to deal with, you know, something heated discussions in class or things that got a little, a little touchy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, it's part of the educational experience, you know, and if you're not going to hash out your differences in a classroom, um, you know, well, you're going to do it somewhere. Right. Uh, if, especially if you're, you know, you're vocal, you, you're passionate about something, whatever issue is on the table. Um, you know, that's, that's initially where the learning takes place is, is, you know, having those experiences, having those discussions that not everybody's going to agree on. And no one, you know, it, it, these are, you know, these are conversations. I can think of one recently that I just had in, in the online format. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, working with students online is, is a different, you know, it's a different space. It's, uh, I find that, you know, there, there may be more, uh, 
you know, hesitant to, to do it in the Zoom meeting, you know, knowing it's recorded and whatnot. But, but we've had a conversations about, you know, uh, decency in the media, right? Imagery and, and how uh, hypersexualism comes into play. And in 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 particular, in this conversation was about music. And, uh, you know, should should the uh, it's a, a song that I just learned about through this heated discussion, if you will, called WAP. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. It's number two okay. on the billboard. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and, and one student uh, indicated that it's it's quite telling of uh of the of the uh music business that this is the number two song in the country wop and i said well i don't know i've never heard of wop before but you know they were having that conversation about decency and you know uh-huh. one student on on the end saying hey well this is first amendment you know everyone should should have the right to to you know speak their mind in a song and and regardless of if it's you know uh you know, vulgar language or whatever the case is. So you had this, you know, person speaking from that perspective and then another student speaking from the, you know, quite conservative, um, social conservative perspective of, well, even though you can do it, doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it came to a, a place where it was, you know, disagreement, of course, and, and they, all, they all settled it well. Uh, it was quite civil, but, but that's the, that's the role of the instructor. Right. And, and, but how do you train to that? Right. Like, how do you, how do you train to prepare a new instructor, especially, you know, someone who just is, is, is there to thinking that they're just going to deliver content, which is great. You know, that's, that's a huge aspect of your job, but uh, what they don't train us is on how to have these conversations in a civil manner. Mm-hmm. Right. For, with mutual respect, regardless of race, religion, creed or uh, whatever the case is. Right. That, that we have to work on ourselves in, in this job. And we have to, you know, society has called upon us, especially over the last year. Right. To to really look within ourselves as instructors, as leaders of a college, um, and, you know, just just to really be mindful and open and actively listening because not every student's going to engage that way. Uh, we all want them to, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you were saying earlier, it's hard to read the room uh, in, in a Zoom session uh, or even, even in, you know, versus being face-to-face, right? Um, so you have to, so you have to, really dive in. I think it, it, this has been a, a, an extreme learning experience for all of us, not just to learn the technology, but uh, really how to have these kinds of conversations where, yeah, we're going to disagree. And that's really, you know, where a lot of the learning comes from, but how do we do that and uh, create a civil environment? Right. Because of all the things that are outside of us tend to look quite uncivil. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, so this week a little bit differently. So normally we've been bringing in um, people to talk to about uh, masscom and working in the masscom field. Uh, you know, video games, things like that. But so this week uh, we're going to take uh, take a little a little detour of sorts, and we're going to talk about being teachers. Right? We're going to be talking about uh, teachers in the classroom and and uh, being good teachers um, in regards to. 
um, facilitating conversations with students uh, that are from such diverse backgrounds. And so to help us with this conversation, um, we are bringing in um, Michael Lee Garden to uh, talk about this. And and Michael Lee is a professor uh, with us at Northwest Vista College. Um, I will let um, I will let Michael Lee introduce themselves and um, we will continue this conversation. So uh, welcome, Michael Lee. Hi, thank you for having me. I think I had told you briefly that it's always been my dream to be on a podcast and um, I'm sitting here wishing that I had a microphone because part of my love of podcasts is kind of like the auditory sensation that you can you can sense from <laughs> good microphones and just it being a conversation. So we'll pretend that I sound really crisp and you can really hear the cadence of my voice, but I, I thank you so much for having me. No, no, no problem. So yeah, so so Tim and I were just talking about some 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 situations that we have experienced uh, throughout our time teaching um, where maybe conversations got a little heated or the topic, uh, you know, got, got a little conf conflicting. Uh, so I guess to, to start off, um, you know, can you, can you tell us about a time in one of your classes where things maybe got a little heated and, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, thank you. Um, I teach right now at MVC English courses and a course in the humanities department titled American Minority Studies, but my background is in women's studies and specifically the subsection under women and gender studies that is LGBTQ studies. So it's probably not surprising that it's hard for me to even pinpoint just one time <laughs> that things have gotten heated and, and sort of controversial in the classroom. Uh, but also I, I just wanna offer that sometimes these experiences are not just about the content um, because it's, it's easy for us to say, but I think difficult for, for students to really perceive us as, as full and, and normal and <laughs> everyday people. So sometimes when, um, when heated discussions happen, it's challenging for you to know that it's also about you and who you are and how you live in the world. Um, it's not just a, you know, cold and distant uh, topic. Absolutely. So one of the most challenging experiences I've had is, uh, I'll never forget, I was teaching a, a piece called the Trans Feminist Manifesto. And there was a student who was very upset and disturbed by the piece of writing, the content, the approach, the discussion questions that were being asked. And I had a, a, a Women's History Month event that I was facilitating later at that institution. Um, this, this example is not from NBC. It's at a previous institution. I'll leave out who the institution was. But um, of course, uh, the, the event was talking about challenges for LGBT students at this institution later in the day. Mm -hmm. And that class was invited to the event. And uh, this student wanted to have a sit-in and stop that event later in the afternoon from happening. Wow. So that was definitely one of the most challenging things I've experienced. It wasn't even just in the classroom, it sort of lingered and, and bled into other aspects of my job and work at, at the institution. Um, it ended up being okay, you know, I, I was really worked up um, and what I did was contacted my mentor. I thought, you know what? There are people who have come before me who have dealt with this, who have dealt with similar things, who have dealt with um, maybe even more challenging things and, and 
things that were very deliberately direct attacks because my mentors were largely feminists of color um, and queer feminists of color in, in institutions before me that, that didn't, that were structured to ensure that, that folks like them weren't even part of those institutions. So I knew that they would have some skills um, and uh, advice for me and they did. And they said, go ahead and go on with the event. And if something happens, we'll, we'll deal with it in the moment. And nothing happened at the event. Uh, we still, it was well attended and, and there was not a sort of sit in or attempt to, um, to you know, uh, interrupt that event. But it, it's definitely something that is, you know, very pressing to my memory. I will never forget it in other words. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great example uh, and something that poured outside of the classroom. You know, that's how we started talking about today um, in regards to the, uh, the incident that happened in France uh, with the, you know, the student um, that, well, the teacher that was, that was, you know, very tragically murdered um, due to seemingly the way in which they were teaching some things um, and they offended some students and it, very much uh got out of hand um but uh but yeah that i that's that's so crucial that um you know we we have to struggle with this and struggle with the boundaries of freedom of speech and and things and things like that and um kind of a i guess a a, a question and topic i'd like to talk about and 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 get tim's perspective um so for the listeners out there who can't see us uh mr molina is the um only in individual of the three of us that is an, an individual of color. Uh, and um, so right now in the world, uh, obviously we are as a country, as a community struggling with um, race relations and how to deal with students of different races and ethnicities. Um, so, so Michael Lee, uh, as a as a professor of, uh, of not of color, um, how are there any experiences you've had specifically with um, students of color that uh, have challenged your views or, you know, made you question things and how, how have you dealt with that? Yeah, I, I, I love the question. Thank you for the question. I, I wouldn't say that I can pinpoint something that has um, challenged my views, but definitely showed me how to be more explicit. Mm. So I think it is an absolutely understandable and um, productive question to ask, how can a white woman be teaching feminists of color, be teaching about critical race theory? Um, Is that taking an opportunity away from someone else who is a person of color who could, who could do this work? Mm -hmm. And so in those important questions, I think I've tried to make it even more explicit that I have a luxury in being able to stand at the front of the classroom and talk about racism and people won't charge me with having an agenda, with being malicious, with trying to do something, you know, um, that would undermine the class or the institution or the education system overall or the government overall. I have the luxury of doing so. So I want to continue to use whatever platform as long as I'm a teacher and whatever discipline, right? Like that could be in a a college writing classroom as well, as well as courses that are more focused on these topics. Um, And I think that out of hearing students, I want, I want to continue to remain explicit about that, that, I know that I benefit from the system of white supremacy and 
one of those benefits is giving me this luxury of neutrality when I speak about race. And I want to continue to use that opportunity. Um, If I'm going to be perceived as neutral, then it is, I feel my job as a white ally to continue to do that work. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Tim, um, uh, not to put you on the spot, but uh, what, um, you know, what can you speak to in regards to this? I, I would love your perspective, um, you know, both as a more seasoned professor than myself, as well as um, somebody who, who grew up in San Antonio and is, and is, and is a, a person of color. Oh, man. Well, I grew up in Dallas, but I, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. So I, I, you know, growing up in, um, in the Metroplex area and I I know Michael Lee did too. Um, that's something that we, that we bonded on a few years ago. Um, and thanks again for being on the show. I I think this is a, probably the best PD. I think, uh, some faculty out there hopefully would get, uh, this week, you know, with all the stuff happening in the world. Um, but I, I, I mentioned that, it, you know, I grew up in that area because it, it, it matters, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's interesting to note that, you know, growing up as a kid, I was, I wasn't too tuned into the, you know, the fact that there was racism in the world. My parents kind of didn't have those conversations in a, in a Latino culture. You didn't ask about money you didn't ask about what was going on in the world. <laughs> All I knew was Michael Dukakis and George Bush. That was the first sort of political discussion we had. Um, but it was probably like in fifth grade where, you know, I was called, you know, beaner and things at lunch that, that, you know, kids just say, cause they're just being kids. And, you know, that's something that, that is harvested in those uh, types of households that, you know, you don't check themselves at the door and say that's inappropriate. Right. Um, and then and that's the first time I'd ever heard that, that kind of comment. And so, you know, it didn't really bother me as much. Um, but in high school, you know, there's obviously stories of, you know, this this stereotypical Hispanic or whatever you want to categorize me as Mexican American kid, um, you know, trying to belong to something. And so I joined Ballet Folklorico and I learned a lot about my culture uh, through that course. And I'm very grateful for it. Um, it's not the reason why I joined because I was probably like the only guy that wanted to hang around with a bunch of Mexican girls. Right. <laughs> But I learned a lot in the sense that, you know, it, it sort of created this stereotype and I was sort of fulfilling it uh, in a sense for other, other you know, students and friends, um, you know, and, and so you're, 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 you're kind of caught in this, this duality of, hey, well, I don't want to fulfill that stereotype. That's not necessarily who I am. But at the same time, it's like, hey, it's part of my identity, you know, it's part of my cultural identity. So growing up, I was quite comfortable with that. Um, I even joined a, a group of friends who started like this lowrider car club. And uh, lo and behold, my brother was in it and he got more flack for, from the campus police officer for it than I did because he, he had the older sort of gangster looking car, like an 84 Cutlass man with spokes. And <laughs> all, all it was missing was the hydraulics, you know? And yeah, yeah. he even had like the, the, the Pachuco Cholo hat going and... Uh, yeah, he had like muscles, like he just got out of prison or something. But he w- he would definitely get get harassed by the campus police officer for for parking on the line, uh, in in the uh, parking lot, and we got a ticket for it. Oh my gosh! And, uh, 
So I remember all these things, you know, and it resonates with me that we were the first to get, uh, you know, the drug dog sent to our lockers. Uh, we were the first to get our cars looked at and, and get called out of class because they smelt something, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess in saying all this, you know, it, 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 it creates um, this perspective. And, I, you know, we share that with, with our students in being in a class like mass communication where, you know, we're studying racialized media and, and stereotypes and, and, and racism, uh, to be blunt, in, in these productions that take place. And, you know, all the way back into uh, Woodrow Wilson's invitation to people to, to watch the screening of, um, I forget the film, but it's highlighting the KKK. And so it, it is pretty extreme um, content that doesn't necessarily get written by the author of the text, but it's included because, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've come to a place in my career where I, I'm not just gonna give you a grade you know, we're not just going to cover content. Uh, we're going to meet learning objectives, yes, but there's some there's some underlying objectives here that mm-hmm. need to be uh, targeted. They need to be discussed uh, just for the sake of our civility, right, in this country. And, and if you're not going to get it here, I'm sorry, but you're going to end up with, you know, uh, someone who's going to get a degree. Uh, maybe he's really good at what they do. Right. Maybe they balance budget sheets really well <laughs> right. um, or whatever it is out in the community, um, but has never had the opportunity to have those 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 conversations and maybe had their perspectives challenged mm-hmm. because it, that's what leads to bigotry. You know, that's what leads to, to hate. And, and it's it's unfortunate, but I think we've reached that that um, threshold in our society where. You know, we, we, we would wish upon uh, everyone who gets a college degree to take a course with an instructor that is not um, hesitant or fearful to discuss these issues, mm-hmm. regardless if it's an English class or a mass comm class or a history class. You know, it's and, and it's what's interesting over the last six, seven months that I have my kids here, um, one fifth grader, one second grader is that you you can begin to see where, you know, kids have been left behind uh, in the critical thinking arena for for such a long time. And when they get to a college course, they're not, you know, they're not um, ready to have these conversations. And it's not to their fault. It's because the the methodologies of delivering just simply fact-based content is not enough. It's not enough for the 21st century thinker. It's not enough for, you know, me to hire somebody who can teach content, who knows content, but doesn't put their soul into it. You know, they've, they've really got to grapple with themselves here. Um, in, in an environment that we live in, it, it calls for that. Now, I don't know how you guys feel, but, but being a person of color, like when I, I still hesitate, I still get clumsy. <laughs> I got clumsy the other day because you know, we were t- we were analyzing some NWA F the police uh, video together, mm-hmm. and this was this was selected by uh, a young white female student in my class. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I think I think n- nobody, including myself, was was ready for that imagery. 
uh, even though I'd seen it plenty of times, like as a kid, you know, um, you know, cause I, I, I'd be the first to tell him, Hey, I, I watched this, I listened to it and, you know, it influenced me and probably not in a positive way. Uh, but, but we have to begin to see it from a different lens. Like, yeah, this is hyper masculinity to the T right here. You know, this, this, this can lead to a lot of, you know, uh, negative perceptions of, of females, how to treat them. Right. Or, or how to, uh, respond if you get pulled over, <laughs> like mm-hmm. God forbid, you know? Um, so, so it, there's a lot of incivility, uh, messages there. And I don't think we were all ready for it. So it was, it was at a place where I myself had to, had to go back to the class and say, Hey, look, I, I messed up here. You know, I, I presented a red herring in discussing this. Cause I said, hey, they weren't even gangsters, but that didn't matter. That, that's, that's, that's a side issue. And how many times have we heard that when it comes to race? Oh, let's, let's drop it. Let's not talk about that. Can mm-hmm. we not talk about that? Or I'm the, I'm the least racist person in the world. You know, it's, it's, it's disheartening to hear that at all levels, right. Especially at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, teaching as a, as a, you know, as a Mexican American young guy, like I look like them uh, in Texas. It, it it is a it is a daily grind, but you know, it's one of those things where you you see the fruits of your labor. You know, if I if I can, you know, if I can just uh, touch on this for a second, then we can move on. But you know, the idea that I you know I'm faced with uh, a lot of a lot of diverse students, right? Um, and so if I know I can connect with a young, uh, you know, Latinx student who's sitting in the back with, you know, their, their hoodie on, or even an African-American male, like, you know, those, you know, statistically, and this is not to put any, uh, thing on, on them and to, to assign them as the victim. Right. But, but statistically they are, they are the most at risk students, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so for me, um, that hasn't been an issue. Um, I, I, it's, that's my privilege as a young Hispanic male. Like I, I, I can connect with them. I've grown up the same way. I've had, you know, some of the same similar experiences. Um, but to connect with someone who is completely different from who I am, like on paper, and even, even in, in, in reality, like an older white um, gentleman who is from Bandera, Texas, um, who you know, connects with me so well that he still keeps, I mean, I, I, I'm not, just not to brag, but I, I want to make sure that they can be their authentic selves too. Mm-hmm. As much as we want us to be our authentic selves, we have to have an environment where they feel free to walk, to, to walk into that classroom and engage. Cause if otherwise, if they don't feel welcome, they're not going to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they will, but they'll do so in an uncivil manner. So it's, it's important to, I think, work on ourselves. It's important to, to backtrack and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't deal with this. Well, can we go back to that? And I did, I felt like after that it was, and and, you know, for most of the students in this situation, it was like, no, I think you did okay. But at the same time, I could not sleep with it. So when you leave a class and you know, like, oh, that didn't go well. You know, I, I would say what I've learned over the last, what, nine years, 10 years doing this is, you know, it's okay to go back and say, you know, I, I, we didn't cover that well. Can we, let's just go back to this. Let's, let's talk more about this. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Thanks Thank for sharing. I wondered if I could jump in. From yeah, please. please. Tim said, uh, I just, I thank you so much for saying soul and uh, teaching and learning in the same sentence, because I, I would love the opportunity to come back to that um, initial uh, experience that I shared, because I actually, it, it weighs on my memory, not just because of how emotionally challenging it was for me and startling, but also because I see it as a failure because I did not get that student to come back into the classroom. You know, I, I asked for the student to stay after and speak with me. And I understood, well, since it was so heated that that may have been a, you know, declined in the moment, but I also reached out after I tried to reach out through departmental means and I, I never had a conversation with the student again. So in my, in my view, that was a failure because I at least wanted to see how diverse views can be incorporated into a classroom and see how we could get on the same playing field of what is and is not productive academic debate. And so when you said soul, I think it, it really spoke to me because there's a few things that teachers are... Um, we learn our tradition and conventions, and a lot of them come from, you know, European ideals about education, and some of them are, are harmful. And I know instructors like us kind of resist them and try to find ways um, to challenge them, but one of them is competition. Luckily, I think we're doing a good job at sort of challenging that one and seeing education as collaborative, but it still remains, you know, when we see anything that that plots out uh, grades, it's almost like if you get the highest grade, you won over others instead of, you know, we all want to be winning or even things like scholarships. There's still there competitions mm -hmm. um, and also isolation, you know, is one of the um, the trademarks of, of educa this education um, system that is passed down from Europe, which is we try to imagine that disciplines are so isolated, which is another reason I thank you all for having me on here is because we know that that's not the case. We know that our, our disciplines are informed by and have to be in conversation with one another. And then the other thing is stoicism. So we are asked both as instructors and as students to either behave as if we don't have emotions or declare that we don't. In fact, in academic writing, we're often asked that if we speak with any authority, we're supposed to speak as if we're not even people, that we don't even live, that we don't have emotions. So uh, coming full circle back to that experience that I had, I think one of the things I learned from it is that I needed in some way to prepare students to have emotions in the class and to tell them that that's okay and that, that we're going to deal with that. So I... I just attended right before this a um, session about syllabi and we were looking at our own syllabi and I just want to share with you all that I have included in my syllabi now some statements about um, letting students know that it may be frequent and appropriate for them to feel discomfort, frustration, despair, even defensiveness about the content um, because we're talking about racism, we're talking about sexism, we're talking about homophobia, we're talking about economic exploitation. And then I also tell students, you may also feel curious, excited, inspired, validated, seen, or you may have a mixture thereof of all of those. Um, and I think that maybe had I had even just something like that in the syllabus of that semester, that I could have preemptively engage with the student by saying, it's okay if you feel defensive, it's okay if you're even really mad. And we're gonna validate those ex you know, uh, experiences and emotions and then take it somewhere 
else somewhere that it, you know, somewhere different than it actually ended up going. Yeah. So thank you, uh, Tim, for saying soul. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that, that was really great. And I think, I think that's the, the message, you know, I've, I've been in the process of, uh, of, of, of interviewing and, and, and talking with a lot of people about my teaching strategies and teaching philosophies and things. And I think one of the, the keys that, that I like to highlight is that, you know, uh, and I think the thing that's been lost in a lot of cases is, is we, we, one, we forget we're teaching human beings and two, in that we forget we're humans. I don't know how many times I, during a class, you know, we're talking about video games. And especially when the pandemic hit, I talked about how uh, my wife and I played Animal Crossing and students just lost it. Like, what? You play that game? And it's like, yeah, it's like, do, do you want to do you want to come visit the island? Like, yeah, let's do it. And and they they totally change. They totally change their perspective because I'm a human at that point. Like, I'm not this like, you know, studious, you know, elevated professional. I'm just a person that likes to play Animal Crossing. And yeah. And so. So, so that, that, that kind of leads me to, you know, another point I wanted to make in regards to showing our humanity, um, as, as professors, what, what are some ways that you, you know, illustrate to your students that you're, you're like, you know, human, you, you're like regular people. Like regular people. Yeah. I, we, you know, <laughs> you interest I, outside of the classroom. That's, that's kind of yeah. like, right. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. I, you know, one of the, the things that I was, uh, I guess really anxious to do as an instructor was to keep all my students, not, not have any students withdraw hmm. and, you know, they, they teach you uh, retention strategies and all these things. And I don't, I don't, um, I don't know if there's any other uh, way to do this um, better than just, well, let me let me backtrack because in mass communication, we we study music, movies, and so forth. We so we have these conversations all the time, uh, and it's relative to the content. But even somebody who's outside of the the discipline, I think, could do the same thing and and really just um, start a playlist. You know, do something where you you can you can tell them more about you rather than just in the icebreaker moments, mm-hmm. right? Of the first part of the semester, and it's 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 all nice and and everyone's smiling. <laughs> But it's it's at moments too where it gets tough, you know, in you know, in the grind of mid semester or the latter part like we're in now, is just taking those moments to, you know, experience with them what's going on, whether that be uh you know, the the current event of the day, uh, which there have been plenty, <laughs> but also I think tying that to your examples in in especially if you're covering content, I think it's, it's extremely important to stop and think, how does this, how does this impact my life or how has it impacted my life? And, you know, if, if I'm, if we're making this podcast for, for uh, various faculty, I think that could happen obviously a lot easier in, in, in the humanities and social sciences, but 
you know, even, even something like math, I think one of my favorite math teachers was always giving us problems about with our names in it, right. Or like with their name in it, you know, something as simple like that, or, or just the fact that they have gone through an experience Right. And, and I remember one math teacher just saying, no, guys, I can't do this today. Let's just let's just, you know, do this and then we'll call it a day because, you know, something had happened in his personal life. And I was like, man, that's that's pretty good. Like this was probably the class I learned the most. Is, and, and that was the case of, hey, this person is a human. Right. right. Or my sociology professor in uh, it wasn't until graduate school was. Uh, and I'm sure other instructors and professors think like this, but maybe, maybe I missed it. But he was the one who said it in class. He said, you know, what, guys, just because I'm up here, doesn't mean I know everything, you know, and, and that alone, I, I think I said that in my first year or two to just to cover my own, my own self. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm new at this. I don't know what's going on. And I was just, you know, very explicit with it. And I said, you know what, guys? And I was, you know, teaching more speech courses at the time. And I was like, and I get nervous. I still get nervous. I'm nervous right now. I don't know everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, it, it works because I'm still here, right? <laughs> no, no it's, I mean, there is, it's so essential to, to be your authentic self. And then they'll know that they can be their authentic self too because it's 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 a grind like this this is not uh an easy profession because if you really think about it and, and people ask well why well it's because we we, we we've got to talk about these kinds of things right we have to talk about race we have to talk about you know the the inequities um in in life you know due to the fact of you know, how things have evolved socially, uh, racially, uh, you know, economically, right? Because we have a, uh, an extreme difference between what it means to, to be doing well in this country versus, you know, someone who's on the fringes. And, um, you know, I, I, and, and I, being my, my authentic self, one of the ways I connect with students is, is by letting them know, like, yeah, I've lived a very privileged life, even though I'm, you know, I'm brown. <laughs> you know, my parents didn't go to college. I was the first to go to, you know, to go to college. I still, my parents did well for me. Like, they worked really hard to keep their jobs and, you know, be responsible and not do drugs and, you know, all those sorts of things. Like, you, you hear a lot of a lot of stories of students who didn't have both parents or who. Uh, you know, maybe grew up in, in a certain environment that it was, you know, extremely poor. My wife grew up in a colonia in South Texas on the border. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily what you think. I mean, but it, it was still, I mean, it's, it's extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. And so I think just acknowledging the fact that, that like, you know, knowing who you really are, again, this goes back to, to working on ourselves. And it's one of the things Dr. Kendi said on Wednesday was like, yeah, we really, really need to work on ourselves and continue to work on ourselves. Um, because, you know, that's just a human trait for us to forget, right? For us to forget how we got to the, the positions of privilege that we're in. And um, I think in seeing that, you know, students can really, you know, identify with with the fact that, you know, we struggle too. We, we, we have we are still struggling. Uh, and, and, and the idea is not to, you know, get your degree and forget of all the troubles in the world, uh, but it's to be an agent 
right, of change in some way. And this can be in this in the small discussion we're having. Uh, it could be in the discussion that you need to have with your family about you know media literacy or or how to be a better writer or whatever it is. Um, that that's I think the the fruit of the of the labor right is the the education that they get can then be expanded upon and and provided to their own families, you know, because yeah they're gonna have they're gonna have the, the 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 privilege too right to to know those different perspectives that we teach uh, in in different ways of thinking because it it really is empowering it I don't think we realize it until we get to about this age right guys we're like. Yo, our our education really did us well because, you know, and, and it's the measure is not my my car, of course, because otherwise you know, I'd fail. Um, but the measure is like, hey, you know, it's it's going to be okay. Like we'll figure a way out of this. Um, we'll, we'll 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 do something, right, to ensure that you know everyone everyone around us, our family and friends are taken care of. We'll we'll adapt. You know, we'll overcome. But but it's 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 training the mind uh, to do that and to not shy away from critical conversations, uh, especially if you're dealing with a you know a, a death in the family or 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 COVID mm-hmm. or you know anything that's going to challenge you financially. Um, you know, I think I think a lot has to be said about that in in you know doing the work that we do. And I kept saying this all week because, you know, we're still waiting on the election results. You know, whoever wins because, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, faculty enrichment uh, calendar and, and, you know, feel free to chime in. But I don't see like like this is great training. I've got it right here. Um, but I don't see the, the, the critical. Let's let's talk about. You know, when you get when you get a Charlie Hebdo case, right, or you get an El Paso shooting, right? How how do you approach class the next day, mm-hmm. right? How do you navigate? And lo and behold, we're having a conversation about gun control. Um, how do we do that, right? And it's 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 tough. It's not easy, and um, but at least it needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think a lot of us uh, would 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 avoid it. Uh, I've been I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I have avoided certain tough conversations. Uh, I have taken something out of my uh, my plan because I just I, I wasn't up to it. Right, I didn't want to own up to it. Um, but but you know we're here to we're here to proclaim that it's necessary. It needs to happen, and and so we can cultivate that. I think we'll be in a better place. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I attempt to humanize myself too, even in, in online spaces. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, I teach a lot online, even pre COVID, mm-hmm. um, which is another layer of this, um, this humanizing aspect, because, you know, unless you, you post a video right there on the main screen, in some ways you're kind of like not a person, you're just someone who types in, you know, in the, in the canvas shell. Uh, but, uh, just quickly, I wanted to say my, one of the ways is that I talk endlessly about my favorite band, Tegan and Sarah, which is, um, it's, you know, it's going to happen everywhere because it happens in every form of my life. But I do, I do offer that about myself with my students, which I think the, uh, humanizes myself. But another thing is around naming. I offer 
students my pronouns, but I also spend some time talking about why I ask them to call me doctor instead of miss or missus or ma'am. And uh, I think it, it gives students an opportunity to also ask questions about higher education, because I think we often take it for granted that students know what a PhD means or what a master's means. Many do and many don't. And I think um, that gives an opportunity for us to discuss that and say what that means, but also for me to show myself as a student and that I still sort of have a student identity and in, in being committed to lifelong learning, even though I haven't been a student in some years. Uh, but also it, it gives me an opportunity to sort of touch on how how my gender is queer, how even though I'm going to ask you to say she and her, that miss and missus and ma'am, they don't sit well with me. And it, it opens a conversation around, um, you know, this isn't just the content. This is my life. This is, you know, folks' lives in, in the class, probably. Not that we will know that or have to know that, um, but, but that's one of the ways I think I try to humanize myself. That's awesome. And I would like to uh, note to our listeners. So we're, uh, we're actually talking on a zoom call and uh, uh, Dr. Garden has um, the preferred gender pronouns, the gender pronouns after, after her name. So um, then this is, this is a, a something I have done um, in meetings. I, I actually don't know if I've done it in a class uh, yet, uh, but um but yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely should do that. But, um, but yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. And I think that's, so that, that, yeah. So humans, we're all humans and, uh, that's what's so, so crucial. So moving, moving, moving on and, and kind of hitting on, uh, some things Tim talked about and, and, and things like that. So we are, we are still working. We're not done. And I think the, the biggest thing that, uh, that Dr. Kindy spoke about on Wednesday and the, the, the underlying message is, is we are not done. There is no finished Right. So, um, you know, yes, there are um, people, uh, politicians and and legislatures that, you know, oh, well, we've we've passed this policy or we've done this thing. And that means we're done with this issue. Uh, There were a great deal of people, I think, in the country that decided that since we elected a black president, we were done dealing with talking about racism specifically towards the black community and boy, boy, golly, were, were we wrong uh, for any of those people that thought that. Um, and, and that if, if 2020 has taught us anything that that has taught us that. And so, um, so with that uh, Northwest Vista college has really taken on this topic. And um, one of the reasons that we asked uh, Dr. Garden on today was uh, to, to talk about this. And, and um, I think NVC has provided a little bit of a model in regards to at the, at the administration level, how to at least start this conversation, knowing that this conversation is ever evolving. So uh, Dr. Garden, if you would like to talk to us about, uh, and correct me, I believe it's 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 an acronym, but it's NVC Aid. Um, I I forget the whole name of the 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 um, the committee, but uh, but yeah, can you can you speak on that? Sure. Yeah. So Aid stands for Access, Advocacy, Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. Um, and I pause on each of those because you know we sometimes when we have. Uh, 
you know, a lot of energy and excitement around doing things. We're ready to just take off and solve the problems. But even just like the name of the thing sometimes takes some pausing and lingering. And we talked a lot about <laughs> what should be in that name. Um, now it may change because I think we're in an exciting moment, which is the past work around aid uh, really was about development at the highest level of our colleges is making sure um, that we we wanted to commit as a college to equity mindedness. So being um, race conscious, um, not trying to say, well, yeah, maybe, maybe racism exists outside our walls, but not inside. It's like, well, if you're in a society where racism exists everywhere, I don't know how you would think you're the exception to the rule. Um, same with sexism and same with um, economic disparity, um, thinking very carefully about where we are in the world, where we are in Texas, uh, where we are in San Antonio, and who do we imagine that we serve and who feels like they are served by us. Um, and so that that was the beginning, is really at the highest level of, of leadership. But I think we're at an exciting moment right now, which is we've gotten there and it is now sort of officially and formally sponsored, if you will. So in other words, NVC has come together to say, yes, we're committed to this. We want to put support and resources and people and time and energy behind it but we also want to make it collaborative. So that's where we are. We're starting. Um, what does it mean for the college? What type of work do we want to do and how? Um, so it's in the very early stages of development. And I like that we are taking the time to be so collaborative. Um, it needed, you know, we needed to have conversations at, at you know, at the level of leadership of our administrators, but, um, but to, to see any change, we need everyone together, including students. We need students to guide this work. We need students to tell us um, what inequity might look like in the classroom in ways that we might have spots that we don't see because we're we're the ones at the front of the classroom we might not see. Um, so that's where we are. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's if I could jump in on on this because it's uh, it's it's become apparent, you know, that when something Unfortunately, when something bad happens, right, you know, it takes someone dying, right, at the hands of of someone else on camera, right, for the for that to take place. But I think, I think if 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 it's if it's going to happen, I mean, it, 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 the point is 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 it should have been happening already, right? And that's where I think a lot of um, people might be at this point. I know I'm I'm at that place right now, but at the same time, you know, knowing that, you know, this is authentic, right? I keep coming back to that word. Like this is this is the, the people want to do this not not just for the sheer fact of having it as a policy, right? Or or it's kind of like if you look at social media, right? Like, oh, someone's going to post about this, so why don't I go ahead and do it? Because I don't want to be left out. But it's not. It, it, that's the. That's that's not exactly what I think is is is. Uh, you know, especially like what what I've been reading, um, Dr. Kindi or or Dr. Harper, right? Who spoke at the at the convocation for Notas Vista, who's a UFC, uh, USC uh, professor um, for race and diversity, uh, who said, you know, a lot of this is going to look clumsy. It's going to be clumsy, and. Uh, I felt like when we started doing a lot of these things that, yeah, it's, it's a little overdue, but at the same time, um, at least the college is taking, you know, the appropriate steps, the appropriate measures. Um, 
but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily something that we need to see as, oh, well, let's implement these practices and then it'll just go away. No, it's, it, it, this requires constant work, right? Just like, just like working on ourselves requires constant work. It's a life, it's a lifelong journey that, you know, and, 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 and I'll be quite honest, like that, all of us have to experience and, and say to ourselves, yeah, I've, I've probably had those sentiments before, or I've thought that way mm-hmm. before. And, and now I realize that that was wrong. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to point on that. Cause that, that, I think that's important. That's a, that, that's a, that's a critical step for, for each person. Um, including myself, like I'm not here to tell anybody what to think or, Anything like that, but the, you know, the idea is that it's 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 evident in all of us, right? That that we, you know, um, need to continue to work on ourselves, and uh, in some cases, like I had to do this with my son this morning. He was so upset that you know he doesn't really get to talk much in an online environment to his teacher or with his class. <laughs> And I said, it's okay. Let's just, let's just take a step back here. Let's, let's go for a walk. You know, let's talk it out. Let's just, you know, let it be what it is. And the, the, the work is going to be tough, right? And these conversations are, are, are very tough to have. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think over time, as, uh, as I've learned through my college teaching experience, it was always play the play the safe game, right? And I'll be the first to admit, like, it, it took me a long time to to alter my curriculum, right? To address, you know, why it was CBS didn't want to have, you know, I Love Lucy. It was an interracial couple, right? And that was problematic for its viewers. But guess what? It ended up being a hit. <laughs> Right. And, you know, just those, just bringing that to the table, right. was hard for me. Right. Cause it was like, Oh, I, let's, let's not, you know, let's not mess up the, the nice flow we've got going here. Right. But what, what good does that serve anybody? Right. It's a paper without any soul in it. Right. It's something that will never get you to a place where, you know, you, you, you no longer harvest hateful ideals. And, you know, it's, we have a sinful nature, right? And, and, and it's, it's just how we were, how we were built. And, you know, I, I'm a faithful guy. Like I, I, I you know, I, I'll be honest to say this cause I'm a Christian and I want students to be authentic with themselves. And if you're not a Christian, that's okay too. Like, Hey, you, you want to be in this space? Let's talk about that, right? What do you believe in or who, you know, what, what is it that you, that really gets you going? What, what makes you, you know, innately happy and, and what makes you want to be here, right? Um, it's, it's one of those, it's just one of those moments, right? Where you just feel like, hey, we're doing this not out of, you know, not out of convenience, but it's what we should have been doing the whole, the, you know, the whole time. So that's kind of just more I'm at. Yeah. And I think one of the big takeaways from, um, from 
uh, hearing Dr. Kindy talk and talking about what NVC is doing is I think, um, I think one of the, the, um, the big growing pains with this work and, and with this, this entity specifically is, you know, Dr. Kindy talked about how um, we have to get to a place where we're doing this work, not out of some kind of self aggrandizement. We're not patting ourselves on the back. We're not trying to advance our own careers or make ourselves more money or profit off of it. We're just doing it to do it because we're good people. And, um, and I think we are in a place, um, especially, you know, myself being in some of these conversations, I think, I think there are people that are struggling with that. And there are people that want to know, is this going to lose me my job? Is this going to make my job harder? Is this going to make uh, my work environment harder? Um, and, you know, and I, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm coming from a place um, where, you know, I'm very, I'm the, the whitest white person, whitest white guy, you know, right here. And so, so I, I, I understand that in the sense of like, that is scary. Right. And, and so, but, but I think what, what Dr. Kindy, you know, promulgates and, and, and tries to promote is this idea that we have to do these things, not because it's going to help us in any way. It's not going to help us politically, financially, or any of those things. It's just going to help make the world a better place. Like, you know, uh, and, and yeah, and that's hard. And, and I, 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 full transparency, you know, uh, in regards to, um, you know, um, uh, hierarchy for, for lack of a better term. I mean, I, I'm the adjunct faculty person. I'm a part-time faculty person sitting amongst these full-time faculty people. And, um, and so, so on some levels, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole in regards to that professionally. Uh, I don't have a PhD. I have a master's degree. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so I, I say all that to say that, yeah, it is scary. Yeah, I would love to know that doing this work with NVC would help me attain a full-time teaching job or, you know, better myself in my career. But that's that's not what it's for. And that's not what we're here for. Um, and, you know, yeah, and, and we, we have to remember that. And um and yeah, and that is uncomfortable. That's very uncomfortable. And there's a lot of conversations um, I, I think we need to have, and I think we need to not be afraid to have the hard conversations. Um, it has been my experience um, working with the LGBT community and being so close to the LGBT community, um, specifically the trans community, that, uh, you know what, it's, it's, really, it's really better to just, just sit down and, and, and knock it out. Um, not, not necessarily physically, but, uh, just have those hard conversations. Right. And, and, and absolutely have that positive discourse. I mean, disagree, you know, and that was, you know, going, taking this all the way back to the beginning, Tim, when we talked, you know, I think that's what I tried to, 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 to tell these students that were at each other's throats. It's like, you're both mad at each other for very valid reasons, and instead of yelling at each other, why don't you talk about it productively? Let's let's sit and chat about that. Let's let's get to the center of why you're mad at each other. Uh, because in that moment, they were mad at each other because they, you know, rep they represented um, conf what 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 I will say is conflicting ethnicities. 
and they had issues with each other because of how they looked and 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 they just needed to talk about that and instead they wanted to yell at each other about that and that that didn't get get them anywhere so uh so yeah so a lot of work came out of that for me you know uh it was then that i decided that i was going to have these you know these icebreaker sessions at the beginning of class that were more than just name games or tell me your favorite movie but really dug deep into who are you and you know where have these ideas come from that you spout uh and how did you come to that conclusion and are you willing to possibly change your mind on those things and and all of those things so um yeah so this is really really important work and um yeah so to to kind of finalize and close out uh does does anybody have any final thoughts uh yeah I just wanted to say um, it, it got me thinking while you were talking about just how lucky I want to emphasize that I feel to have this job because I know that you all teach about kind of a, an internet bubble, right? Where you end up receiving information from your searches based on what you what you already think and what, who you already look up to and who you already believe. But in some ways that happens in our everyday life. And I think that I'm so lucky to continue to have daily interactions with people who have drastically different lives than me and believe in drastically different things than me. I can to continue to learn from them. And I, I do mean that. I know students may hear that from professors and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say you're learning from us, but like you have the degree or you're at the front of the classroom, but we really do. Uh, we're really influenced and, um, and impacted in a number of ways by students. And I, I just feel really lucky to have that. I mean, college is one of one of the only places that people are put in direct conversation with people that they otherwise might not, may never be in conversation with. Yeah. So I, I just want to end on that saying, I feel lucky. That's a wonderful point. I, I, will, I will piggyback off of that because that's part of our our initiatives for media literacy incorporated into an introduction to mass communication course that is for so long, like I taught it as just, Hey, survey, this is history. This, it's all great. It's all important. It's important to establish a, you know, historical context, but to get down to the, 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 the situation we are currently living in and we'll probably be living in, uh, for the rest of our lives now because of the, the smart technology where, you know, you look up something, you, you like something, you, you attribute to that, you, you know, the algorithm is going to tell you or give you other things that are quite similar to that way of thinking. So it, it is, uh, transformed our society. I think, uh, some good, some bad, but it's important to be aware of that. And I think that's it's one of those areas where um, it, it, it creates a lane for us to talk right, uh, about issues and with people that may have different points of view. Um, and yeah, and, and the college setting is, is built for that. It, it's, it's completely necessary. Um, and, and it's, you know, that's the role of the community college or one of the roles, right, is, is, is to allow students a chance to, to discuss and to open their perspectives is not, is not to change their mind, um, but it's to enhance their principle, right? It's to enhance the, the fact that we need to have mutual respect for, for any human being. And regardless of, of how they look, regardless of how they speak 
or how they, uh, you know, prefer to be named or called, whatever it is, right? Be your authentic self. And if we can create those environments, um, which I know, you know, uh, Michael Lee, you do a wonderful job, uh, Mark. And, you know, anybody who's listening, I think if you, if you were intrigued to click on this and listen to it, uh, great. You know, it, and we hope that we provided some some uh, interesting and good conversations uh, that you can then carry on with your departments or wh- whoever it is that you want to, uh, you know, extend and learn with. Um, this that that the whole point I think was that if you are looking for ways to engage your students um, and and provide that that learning outcome or that educational experience that they so often miss and is so critical uh, in this in this time that we we really got we really have to have more training around this. I know I would love to go to those trainings and 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 uh, maybe lead one of them one day. I don't know everything, but I will tell you from my point of view, uh, being one of the younger faculty and 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 the you know how I look is is obviously giving me a lot of privilege. And I, I have a lot of students that tell me things that they probably wouldn't tell a sixty year old white male um, because <laughs> they feel like they look like me and they can tell me. <laughs> But they yeah. really do struggle. They really do. And, and it's important that we allow them to be their authentic selves in, in this learning environment and to then engage and tell us, how do you feel about this? You have to have a, you have to feel something. And if we can provide you with a different point of view or a different way to look at something, that that's, that's priceless. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think uh, that that is our episode. Uh, we normally end, and I guess we'll continue to end. So if uh, people have listened and are interested in finding out more about how to reach out to you, uh, Michael Lee, uh, would you be willing? How can people find you? Sure, yeah. You can find me um, through our Alamo email. I am mgarden, which is G-A-R-D-I-N at alamo.edu excellent thank you thank you so much thanks everybody um i i think that uh that concludes this episode uh be sure to yes thank thank you you. all thank you so much and be sure to 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 uh listen to our other episodes and uh check us out thanks Mm -hmm.